Drone Gormley. Happy Tuesday. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, Marco the mailman in Regina says, yeah, they said five centimeters of snow. We're already way past that 10 centimeters and counting. There's a lot of snow. You should try walking through it. Marco, I feel your pain. Uh, yeah, and uh, somebody else said, uh, my first shovel this morning, I already had more than five centimeters, so uh, it is a heavy snowfall in much of Regina. Uh, and you're really seeing the tale of two uh, cities in Saskatoon and Regina. Saskatoon, uh, temperatures just hovering uh, where we like them this time of year, but no serious weather disturbance. Regina, wow, that snow's coming down. So an interesting story, uh, and this comes out from a study done by an organization called the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. A Winnipeg-based group that we first met, gosh, a couple of decades ago, and they do research on child exploitation, in particular, acts and attempts by people to lure children for sexual purposes. Of course, since the advent of the internet, most of this now occurs online. And the organization, uh, Center for Child Protection, says there has been what they call a staggering growth in the number of offenders targeting children on social media. So they're unveiling a program called The Horse, and they explain to kids how a Trojan horse works. Not a Trojan horse virus, a Trojan horse in the classic Greek mythology way that you Use that horse to gain entry, and then inside that horse uh, is the enemy. So 29% of children, they report, nearly one in three has been sent some sexually explicit content online. And they say this technology, increasingly with social media, is being weaponized by predators. Uh, 77 percent of kids, three quarters of kids aged nine to 17 have a smartphone. Now, parents and caregivers see smartphones as a way to keep kids connected, a way to keep them safe. But 24-7 access to children on their smartphones, in their home, in their own bedrooms, and in their schools has become, for many predators, a very common practice. So, 29% is the number you need to know. And this comes from a recent study done by the Center for Child Protection, working with police agencies. So 29% say they've had an adult or someone they did not know send them sexually explicit content online. Most often, the content arrived on their mobile phone. Uh, Number two. Police reported online child exploitation in Canada. So, in other words, uh, people revealing themselves to children, getting children to uh, physically reveal themselves, and then, you know, pictures are taken, and then sextortion becomes a thing. But the actual exploitation of children is up 2014 to 2020 over 250%. And the third big number Five years, the search, the reports of online sexual luring to cybertip.ca, and this is where kids can tip off 
cyber tip, reporting sexual violence in the last five years, report numbers are up over 800%. So this particular organization, the Center for Child Protection, argues that the responsibility and the blame often has ended up being placed on parents, and they're asking for more regulation. Uh, They say that in regulating the Internet, governments have rules and consumer regulations for every consumer product imaginable and its impact on children, its use by children. It says nothing like this exists on Internet use by children, and they want it to. So, you know, of course, in the same culture, and let's look at the federal government, the Online Harms Act, uh, the Online News Act, uh, the CRTC now regulating for Canadian content and French language on the Internet. Um, The government of Canada has been singularly unafraid to leap in and start regulating Internet content. So, and of course, you can't, it'll be difficult to regulate for online harms and sexual luring, uh, specifically to draw a border around Canada, doesn't happen. But we have outstanding police work being done by Internet child exploitation units that cross every border. You remember recently there was a tip from the southern U.S. to police in Saskatchewan. They were able to find a lurer, an Internet pornographer, living in small-town Saskatchewan, who had been communicating with kids, I think it was in the state of Georgia. So these sorts of things happen increasingly, but it's police enforcement. This organization, the Canadian Centre for Child Protection, wants to be able to have more concrete, more robust laws that will bind anyone trying to communicate with children. Will it work? I'm not sure, but it's uh, particularly as a parent, and 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 they argue parents get blamed, and you know blame doesn't work, but hell, responsibility does. You know, if you don't have some phone protocol uses in your house, I mean, if your kid is just going to be connected to that phone, and we're talking about kids as young as nine, do you as a parent have a responsibility to educate the child, make them accountable, and suggest you know radical thoughts like? Everybody puts their phone in this basket or over here when we're at the table. Uh, You don't bring your phone into your bedroom late at night. Your phone stays in charges with mom and dad's phone. Those are all principles. So check out the latest report, Canadian Center for Child Protection. And uh, the new campaign is called The Horse. Uh, Their website is protectchildren.ca. Have a look, check it out. Okay, to your coffee shop and mine, where they sit, taking up an entire table, one person, for hours on their computer. Coffee shops decide to do something. Next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm John Wormley. Good to have you here. I've been waiting to get your take on this. This predates the pandemic by a good stretch. Maybe you have a coffee shop you like to go to. It's an independent. It's owned by the person who's often the barista 
or it's a locally owned business, mom and pop family, and they hire kids to do coffee. Maybe it is a trendy place like Starbucks where you get the right to pay six bucks for your coffee or more. (laughs) I don't know to sit there Uh, or it's your favorite Tim Hortons, Robin's donuts, McDonald's, which has a pretty good coffee trade. And let's just leave the pandemic out of this for a minute. So let's go back to 2017, 2018. Maybe the person read about J.K. Rowling, the architect of Harry Potter, who has a young mother living in public housing in Scotland, uh, having trouble making ends meet, uh, getting some income assistance, working menial jobs, would sit in a nearby coffee shop with her laptop, and there was created the multi-billion dollar Harry Potter franchise. So you too can unleash your great literary skills by sitting in a coffee shop with your laptop. Maybe even before people started working from home, you always were a mobile worker. And you had home, you had your car. It was nice to settle down occasionally because you were never interrupted by somebody in a coffee shop. You'd pull out your laptop, you'd do a little work. Maybe, and I've seen this happen in Tim Hortons, and I always raise an eyebrow because I I couldn't do it. I feel like I need to go take a shower. You're actually recruiting, and you roll around the country or the province hiring people for jobs, and you use a table in the local Tim Hortons, and you have people coming with their job applications, and it's not for Tim's, it's for your hiring. Go get a room. Jeez. But, okay. So this is all before the pandemic. And you're trying to get in to have a cup of coffee, and there's Buddy sitting at a table or a booth, worse yet, that seats at least four. He's got his laptop open, he's got his headphones on, and he's there for hours. And hours. And the weird part is, first of all, you and your friends, you were going to head over to Tim Hortons or Starbucks or uh, name your cute coffee shop company name, you walk in, and unless you're going to sit in a booth with Buddy and the one over there and the one over there, you're not going to sit down. That's a common practice. Now, since the pandemic, it's become, and this was a great piece in the Financial Post the other day, Marissa Colton, based in Montreal, talked to a number of Montreal coffee shops. She also talked to some people in Manhattan who are looking at going out of business because they just can no longer pay the bills from patrons who spend all day in the coffee shop, sometimes ordering nothing. Now, students have always been, and this goes way back as soon as we had Wi-Fi in coffee shops decades ago. It was kids, university, college kids, even some high schoolers who just like to curl up in the corner of a coffee shop and get some work done. One of the people in the uh, trendy plateau neighborhood in Montreal say the worst people for never, ever buying anything or paying are adults, middle age and beyond. Students, to their credit, can spend hours in a coffee shop, but they often, multiple times in their stay, will keep buying stuff. 
And when you talk to younger people, a lot of times it's the desire not to get kicked out. They want to be able to fit in. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. So just keep buying some coffees or some refills or some time to get hungry, something to eat. But no, there are people who park themselves for hours thinking the coffee shop is their remote workspace. Now, why did I mention putting the pandemic aside? Well, all this was going on before the pandemic. Here's the new one. In the pandemic, about 35 to 40% of people worked from home. Now, I mean, the, the real ugly stuff the first couple of weeks, everybody stayed home. But once the pandemic was underway, May, June of 2020, 35% of people working from home. A number of people still work from home today. But guess what? They don't work from home. They go to their local coffee shop. Ready for this? Because they like the company. They like the atmosphere. They like to charge their social battery by being around people because without that, quote, I feel lonely, depressed, and disconnected. I've got a really easy prescription for you, pal. Go back to the office. But no, I'll never go to that office again. I'm a remote worker. I'll simply gobble up time in the coffee shop, getting less lonely and depressed because I get to breathe the air in a social environment. You can't make this crap up. So Marissa Colton's piece canvassed what some of these coffee shops are doing. We're going to look at that, and I want to turn the phones over to you. To work in a coffee shop or not, what are the rules? 877-332-8255. Tell me what you think. I, okay, so what are the strategies being followed? Uh, one coffee shop, and uh, I just want to grab their note. This was the one in, um, where is it? Okay, so this is the one where they said, and this is a, a Montreal coffee shop. We offer no Wi-Fi. We do not want computers used. <laughs> and we ask that you order on a regular basis. So they've, they've just put it out there. But they don't allow laptop computers in their coffee shop. Because their rationale is a coffee shop's a place you'd come to for coffee and for a visit. Why do you need to pull out your laptop? So some of the other prescriptions, Montreal's Cafe ISO, because of limited seating capacity, we are a no Wi-Fi zone, a no laptop zone. Thank you for understanding. Some of them throttle Wi-Fi access to two hours. And that computer cannot log on again for 22 hours. So you can come back tomorrow at the same time you did today, and you'll get two hours of Wi-Fi then. That was kind of my preferred one. I sort of like that one. Uh, other ones, um, this was uh, the book club bar in Manhattan. Laptops prohibited after 6 p.m. And we ask that customers share limited space by seating together. And kind of weird you're going you're gonna to sit in a booth with somebody you don't know? I don't know. But, of course, these are some of the challenges. And, of course, the biggest problem 
is the power company and the gas company and the rental company you're paying your lease space to every month, they want to get paid. And the fact that you're running a business model that allows people to sit all day long, put absolutely no money into your business project, isn't something you're going to be able to pay your rent with. So it's really all part of the business plan. 877-332-8255. Tell me how you see this. First of all, is it a problem? Um, I like to think it's not until it is. And there's a particular shop, and I won't describe it, that I kind of go to occasionally with a friend. I mean, you're, you never book three o'clock coffee because, of course, everybody's having coffee. So sometimes you go in at two o'clock, you go in at four o'clock, and there they are, picking up entire booths. And then you wonder, heck, had I been here at three o'clock? That must have been a circus because this person looks like they've been there all day. Some of them spread out their work. It looks like a desk. Now, in your defense, I'd love to hear how you wrote that great book in a coffee shop. I'd love to hear why a coffee shop is the best place to do your work. How long should you sit in a coffee shop with your laptop and other people can't sit? 877-332-8255. This is 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here. Well, the snow's letting up a little right in and around Regina, so uh, let me go back to Highway's Hotline. Sorry, Highway Hotline. I insist on pluralizing it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing yet that is travel not recommended. Uh, lots of the dashy lines, but around Outlook, you know, Lorburn, Keniston, um, dashy lines between Davidson and Dundurn on Highway 11, but all the way Highway 11, Regina, Saskatoon road is considered winter conditions exist. And when I talk about dashy lines, that's uh, poor visibility. So in and around the Coppell Valley, uh, Wolseley down to uh, Momart, Candiac, all the way down to Stoughton and Sedley, uh, that's all visibility impaired, as is uh, some deep areas in the southwest. Um, go all the way past Ravenscrag, um, Loomis, Clayton, Frontier Climax. Um, bad visibility in there, too. But it's always a good sign when you get a snow this early on in the year that we don't have the whole place paralyzed. So you're still able to drive, but... Slow it down, do it right, and yes, John, would you please remind people to turn their headlights on? Indeed, I will brush the snow off your lights, maybe even brush the snow off your roof and your windows. It takes but a moment more, but you flick those headlights on, we can then see your taillights in the blowing snow in the gray sky. Oh, Am I being presumptuous in thinking Sarah Mills might have some company in the British Accent Club? I assume he's got a British accent. He's from the West Midlands, worked uh, with Scotland Yard. He does? Okay. The new police chief in Saskatoon. Or, sorry, Regina. Sorry, jumping ahead. Farouk Sheikh, uh, hired as the 19th chief of the Regina Police Service. Uh, Mr. Sheikh was the commander of the Alberta Sheriff's Service. He was the chief there from uh, 2021 till now. They've got about a 1,000 uh, sworn officers and staff. 
Uh, he comes there from Calgary, uh, Saanich, B.C., but started policing 31 years ago with the West Midlands Police in the U.K. and uh, the London Metropolitan Police, Scotland Yard. So, yeah, so I'm assuming Millsy, sorry, Sarah Mills will be getting some company in the British Accent Department. He will begin, uh, announces the police commission this morning in Regina, December the 1st. Okay, I need your help on this whole issue of coffee shops, the issue of laptops, and since when did, in fact, it was put pretty well here. This is uh, Cafe Pisa in Montreal. Their little coffee shop got less lively when people started camping there on their laptops. They said the idea of a coffee shop in a neighborhood is kind of like the coffee version of a bar. You want people to sit. You want them to sit in groups. You want them to chat a little bit with people as they come in and out, even chatting table to table. The owner of this little coffee shop in Montreal said, the presence of people on their laptops for long periods of time made it less lively and made it feel like a library where people were working and studying. So this is the place that now has the two-hour limit. You can log on, but your machine's kicked out after two hours. Others uh, in New York and Montreal, where they, they talked about the sense of what coffee shops are. And, I mean, okay, I guess I don't run a coffee shop, so I can talk this way. The New York guy said, I'm empathetic to the plight of the remote worker. I understand why someone working remotely would like to be in a coffee shop instead of home I, I know they were seeking human connection. Exactly, my crocodile tears cannot be counted. I know they're seeking a human connection, and they'll stir crazy and lonely when they're at home. Would you go back to the office? I mean, Jesus, nobody's stating the obvious on this thing. But don't get me started. So what's the, the rule in the coffee shops you hang out in? See, I tried the uh, gentle glowering... You know, you're you're juggling a couple of coffees because you've invited somebody or you've got family members and you look and there's no seat and there's two tables for four, each occupied by one dude who wears his headphones and his ski jacket and he's all bundled up. He wears a hoodie, sometimes like he's hiding in plain sight. The other one is a young woman looking like a student. And then you're you're thinking, it's not my place to say this, so I shan't, but I would love to say... Why don't you, the guy all bundled up, uh, clearly, you know, doing some, I don't know, whatever you're doing, you who's studying, why don't you two just share that table for four? And then the table you're taking up in the booth could be used by those of us who are coming in to have coffee. But I just kind of gave him that impatient look. And he looks back at me, total dead zombie eyes, because he can't hear me. He's just got something going on his ear, and he's just, okay. Yeah, watch the guy go back to his car. Okay, and see, after you do that enough times, and you think, like, am I going to keep going to that coffee shop? Probably not. 877-332-8255. Brad, experience with this. Yeah, I just stopped by uh, the uh, coffee shop uh, at Tim's, and, uh, exactly like you're saying, there was someone on a laptop. Now, they were just sitting at a table with two for two, 
but they were spread out there. But then there was another couple of people with books, and they were reading. So <laughs> I guess if you're going to say something about people with laptops, I guess then you have to look at the book thing, too, because, I mean, are they there till they finish the book, or are they there till they finish a couple chapters, or what? You know, help me out here, because you sound like a guy who's given this a little thought. Yeah. Everybody has a place they go to called home, right? Right. Whether it's, right. you know, your little one-bedroom or bachelor apartment, whether it's your palatial, you know, 9,000-square-foot home. So you got home. you got yeah. places you go. Like, if you want to read a book, is this the only place you can sit in a coffee shop? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm not a big reader, so I don't really have much of an opinion on it. Yeah, See, I'm a huge reader, and I mean, I read in all sorts of places, but usually it's just to kill time, right? Like if you're waiting for something? Oh, yeah, that's when I would read. I would read when I'm waiting for the, you know, your tires, your winter tires to be put on your car, or you're waiting for the doctor or something like that. Yeah. to, To actually go and settle in to read a book in a coffee shop, I don't know. I don't know if I could concentrate enough with you know, all of good, good point, though. Okay, so in the coffee shop, people sitting reading, which is the kind of that laid back. Like, there's coffee shops that actually sort of have that that bookstore vibe. In fact, interestingly enough, there are coffee shops in bookstores that encourage you to sit and read. That much I get. 877-332-8255. Uh, to the texts, <laughs> Cameron and Regina, laptop Larrys who take three hours of table time for one latte should do it somewhere else. Darby, whatever happened to your sense of conscience, pride, and shame, never mind common sense, you're taking advantage of someone's business. And you can't even make a purchase or know when you're overstaying your welcome. The number of people who feel obliged to buy something, even if they use a washroom in an establishment or a gas station, is few and far between. I don't think there is great hope for the future if this is what's being modeled. Good manners, common courtesy are gone. Some of these people working remotely, might I add, seem to have lost a sense of reality as well. 877-332-8255. Ron and Regina, the coffee shop experience. I'm thinking laptops. You're seeing something else. Yeah. Um, I, I see quite a few, especially near downtown areas, a lot of homeless people. Uh, they have nowhere else to go or nothing to do. And they, uh, they you know, fill, up, fill up the coffee shops. They very seldom order anything, and they take up a lot of the room. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, it's very big. And I've heard of one very well-known coffee shop in downtown Regina that's just counting the days because they're, you know, they're pulling out apparently. Well, I'm not surprised because half them, they they can't even get other people in there to buy stuff and coffee. Yeah. And then of course you get um a little bit of a rights issue. See, there is that idea that if you are an invitee in a public place, and that's what really any business establishment is, I've invited you to come in, uh, the people start to assert some kind of right, like this is their home. No, it's not. 
And I think what you're going to see, and it would deal with the homeless people, it would deal with a laptop Larry or laptop Laney, whatever names you want to give them, um, even Scholar, Scholar Sammy doing all the writing and reading. I think you're going to see some kind of managed time arrangement. Per table, you got to make an order every X number of minutes. So, you know, they talk about table churn. If you're going to keep your tables moving, somebody's got to buy something. And still not an answer for really inconsiderate people, but I think it might be a start. Because, okay, let me just digress. You know this issue of, I, I call it shame, because many of us were raised in the, in the world that you didn't want to do something that you would embarrass yourself. But even that, that's a level of self-awareness. Believe me when I tell you how few people seem to still have that. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Something in our genetics, somebody's DNA just unlocked this idea. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're so preoccupied on your phone and TikToks become your life. People do watch you and they do judge. So here's the one. I go into a coffee shop, often fast food. I pull out my tea bag from my pocket. You've seen people do this? I go up and ask for a glass of hot water. Cost zero. Pop my tea bag in it, sit at the table, use their cream and sugar. Like, I would be embarrassed to be seen doing that or being judged, you know, by the baristas or the kids behind the counter. I mean, they'd look and go, look at that cheapskate. That'd be enough for me. But nope, people have been doing it since time immemorial. And the quid pro quo has to be, you've chosen to be thrifty, a.k.a. cheap. Do it where someone's business isn't losing money. Do it where you're not costing them money. Somebody had to pay for the gas to heat the burner, natural gas, electricity to turn the electric burner on to heat your coffee, heat your water. Somebody had to pay for the cup you got gratis. There's a bunch of costs. Somebody has to clean the table when you're done, plus the cream and sugar you purloined. That's not free either. And you're taking up space from paying customers. Good point. Hey, back to your calls. Lots of text in on this. Maybe this has morphed itself into not just laptops in coffee shops, but freeloaders in coffee shops. Be a tough business running a coffee shop when people think you are an office a meeting center, a boardroom, a place you can have a nap, et cetera, et cetera. 877-332-8255. This is 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Okay, so it's people on laptops sitting in the coffee shop hours on end. Often they don't order a thing to start with, or if they do, that was hours ago, they don't keep ordering food. Uh, they take up space, um, Somebody's got to pay bills in that coffee shop, don't they? So is this something that you deal with? And as a customer, let me introduce you to Irene. You are Hi. you are brave. Tell us what you do. Well, when I go to a coffee shop, I check it out. And if there's an empty seat, of course, I take it. But usually because the university's here, there's tons of university students sitting in the coffee shop, all, as you say, with an empty cup of coffee and a kind of laptop, and they'll be there for hours. So what I do is I just go up and sit down at one of the em- uh, empty seats at a table, and I just say, 
oh, thanks, I'll be sitting at this chair. And I just sit there, and, like, occasionally they've laughed, you know, packed up their stuff and laughed. But more often than not, they just look sort of stunned and not, and I just sit there and have my coffee. And I do it even if I have one of my kids with me. I just say, you sit over there, I'm sitting here. Good for you. So, because, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if a coffee shop's a shared convivial environment, they should be cool with you sitting down. You can all kind of share some space and time. Right. And I'm not going to be, um, put off because they haven't, this, this, you talked about shame. So they haven't got that sense of shame or embarrassment, um, or politeness to understand that. The owner needs to be making some money. And, uh, yeah, so I just go in, and it's always worked for me. Like I say, sometimes they get up and walk out, but that's not anybody's loss. And sometimes they just nod. Sometimes they don't say anything. They just carry on. They got their headphones on, so they don't really, they just look at me with that doleful look and carry on. Doleful look. (laughs) Oh, good for you. And that's the way to do it because you're, you're sitting down to have your coffee. So sit down. And the thing about university students, friend of mine uh, used to, and I, I said once, like, why coffee shops? And this buddy said, it kind of has, and this is odd. I don't really get this. It has that combination of kind of the serenity of the library and being in a carol at the library, yet enough action, yet I can get coffee when I want it. And he used to drink coffee all day long. But for me, I mean, I haven't been in university in years, but I was a mature student. I was in my early 30s last time I was there. There was nothing like a carol in the library. You'd go right down to the bowels of the library. There was nobody in sight. You could set up. You could plug in your laptop. You could work completely uninterrupted. It was a precious, great place. And if you go to any university library, they're virtually empty. Because everybody's in coffee shops. I'm Gormley. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.